Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you again for that promise you've given us a day sometime in the future here when this earth will pass, when we can be in your presence, we can be away from sin and its effects here. Bless Lord as he brings a message this morning which will in his heart that we can be open, that we can learn what you would have us to hear this morning. We ask this in your name. Amen. You can be seated. Greetings to each one of you in Jesus' name this morning. It's good to be gathered together here with you this morning. Before I uh, start the message, I have a thank you note here for the ladies that are part of the sewing group. Your work has blessed someone in our community, and I just want to convey that to you um, as she did by her thank you note. She writes, I'm so sorry this is so late in coming, but with my sincerest thanks and gratitude, I want to thank you for the extreme generous gift of a beautiful quote you made for my family after our house fire. The quote is something I will always cherish, and I can't wait to use it on my new bed. I'm a true fan of the quotes you make, and this one will be used and appreciated. We are moving closer to a move-in date, maybe the end of this month, or maybe sometime in May. All this is possible because of the wonderful talents of the kind folks in the Mennonite community. We are truly blessed to have such kind and caring neighbors and friends. Thank you again for thinking of our family during our time of need and for sharing your hard work, hard labor in the format of a beautiful quilt. Your kindness is a true blessing. Sincerely, Kelly, Hannah, and Mackenzie. So thank you, ladies, for the work you did. You have blessed someone um, in our community, and she is very appreciative of that. So I encourage you to continue that work. For a message this morning, um, we will be returning to the study I started in James, it's been a while since um, I have preached out of the book of James. I started back a couple months ago, but with communion and Mother's Day, um, I had preached other messages, but we will be looking at the book of James again this morning. And my text this morning um, will be taken from the end of chapter 1, and we'll be going into chapter 2 somewhat. You know, today we can again see the change that takes place in our heart when we accept the faith of Jesus Christ into our hearts. The faith of God can transform our broken lives into something beautiful. And I was once again challenged by this passage. Um, I felt the Spirit of God working in my life, challenging me and calling me to walk in the ways that this scripture lays out for us. So this time we'll read the text. We'll read James chapter 1, starting at verse 26, and then we'll read to chapter 2, verse 13. It says, If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with, gold, with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and you have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are you not par then partial in yourself, and are you become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have 
despise the poor? Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do they not blaspheme the worthy name by which you are called? If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as a transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that saith, do, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy, that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoices against judgment. So today I want to look at this passage of scripture, and I want to think about a faith that is genuine. I want to think about a faith that is pure and, and free from contaminants. You know, most of us don't enjoy things that are contaminated or fake. You know, there's businesses built around purifying things, you know, purifying waters, making filters so we can take out um, contaminants. Um, we, in our tea shop, we have to have a certain kind of filter to filter the air so that contaminants don't get into the food. And that, you know, became very real to me as I was in the cheese-making part of the business is that you do not want your product to become contaminated. It will make the product um, not be what you want it or just totally inedible. So we enjoy things that are genuine and wholesome. And when it comes to our faith, James points out here what makes our faith wholesome and genuine. You know, we also don't enjoy a faith, or as James called it here, a religion that is contaminated. And the author Gary Miller proposes in his book, Reaching America, that contaminated religion is one of the biggest hindrances to the spreading of the gospel. It's not that unbelievers don't know the gospel, but that those who profess to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ have not lived in a way that has represented it well. It sadly caused many to label Christianity as a fake and a fraud. You know, I believe we need to take that message to heart and you know, look at our lives and to see if we have a faith that is pure and holy or if it is contaminated. So I want to look at verse 27 here and see two fruits that, produce, that are produced by a true and pure religion, as James says here. And as I want to think about that word religion, religion is, in the Greek sense, is, is referring to worship. So if you want to think about these, these actions here as our worship of God, this is how we worship of God. Normally we think of worship as coming into the Lord's house, singing and you know, studying scripture, but here James points us to some daily activities that we can do that are worshiping God. You know, this gives us a glimpse of what God views as an authentic faith. faith. You know, I think we, you know, we need to look at this seriously to see what God has for us. And the first one here is that I want to look at is caring for those who are vulnerable and socially marginalized. And that, that went so well with our Sunday school lesson. We had quite a, a long discussion on that. And I was thinking maybe we should just continue that and, and skip the sermon. We had a good discussion going. But I guess you'll get your second dose of it here this morning. 
I think that's, you know, it's a theme that runs throughout Scripture is how God wants us to care for those who are suffering and those who have suffered misfortunes. God has a heart for broken people. You know, if he didn't have a heart for broken people, he would have not sent Jesus to the world for you and I. We were also a broken people. We had broken hearts and broken lives, and he came to heal that. Here he refers to those as, says, visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. And, you know, I think this goes much beyond fatherless and the widows. As we think about widows and fatherless in the time that James wrote this book, they were some of the lowest and most marginalized people in their society. In the time frame that the New Testament was written, the average life expectancy of a person was 40 years. And many men married ladies 10 to 15 years their juniors, so these ladies were a lot younger than their husbands. Many of the husbands went away to wars between their differing countries and cities, and so there ended up being a lot of men that died from war. This left a lot of widows and a lot of fatherless children behind. And also just the fact that these ladies were a lot younger than their husbands meant that their husbands died well before they did. So this left a lot of people in poverty. You know, without a husband to bring home an income for the family, this could be a really hard time for these families. And this was really brought home to me a few years ago. Um, Alicia and I listened to quite a number of audiobooks written by a nurse who spent time in England. And she was telling stories of the 1800s when, you know, these people would find themselves in similar situation. If a man died and left behind his wife and children, they could be very quickly find themselves in a situation where they could not pay their bills and debts and either ended up in the prison or the workhouse. And these were very horrific places to end up in. And so that really touched my heart, and I have a new appreciation for the safety nets that are in place in the country that we live in. Yes, they may be abused at times, but they, these are people that were um, suffered in very severe ways. So I just want us to think about a little bit in our own lives, who might these vulnerable people be? You know, I, I think for each one of us, we all have different um, scenarios in life. We have different situations, and different people probably come to mind. But I just want us to think about that, you know, as we go about our, our lives the next, you know, a while, to think about who the vulnerable people might be in our lives that we could minister to. Just a few that, you know, obvious ones that come to mind are the many refugees that are in the world right now. Recently I saw a um, statistic of how many misplaced uh, people there are in the world, dis displaced, sorry, displaced people in the world that have had to run from their homes because of war and similar situations. And it, it's in the millions. And we don't understand what that would be like. There's wars in Syria and Afghanistan and Ukraine, and many people have been forced from their homes. And how can we, maybe we can reach out to them in some way. Immigrants that are coming to their country, they're coming to a new community, to a new country, a different culture. How can we touch their lives? The fatherless, are there fatherless among us that we can reach out to? In our culture, many children have broken homes. They don't have a father to love and care for them. Can we reach out to them in some way? And then there's many people that are homeless as well. And recently, I was impressed and challenged by the um, 
efforts of four young people. There's four young people that were attending um, Faith Builders School in Western Pennsylvania. And these young people wanted to understand homelessness better. So they actually went to Dallas, Texas for a few days and became homeless and lived on the streets of Dallas, Texas. And I have to admire their bravery. Um, but they did that so they could understand the homeless plight better. It was good for me to listen to their stories and see how many times we must understand the plight of these people. So I think it's just a challenge for us to think about the opportunities we have to minister to the mar marginalized and vulnerable people around us. You know, like I said, it's probably different for each one of us. We have different scenarios, and we can't individually, we can't reach everyone. But I think it's God calls us to respond to those that we come in contact with us. Each one of us has unique talents and opportunities. Let's be faithful in using them for the Lord. Another thing I would encourage um, you to do is to read the book, The Other Side of the Global Wall. Recently, I came across that book, and I was blown away by the privilege that we have where we live in our communities. It puts things in perspective pretty dramatically. And let's use our blessings to um, spread the gospel and to touch people's lives. We are not to use those blessings simply for ourselves. Jesus demonstrated that in the parable of the rich man with his barns full. And also um, the parable that we just had in Sunday school, the parable of talents. God intends that we invest our blessings for his kingdom and in the lives of the poor and needy. The second indicator here that we see of a genuine faith is that in the end of verse 27, he says, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Now, how do we keep ourselves unspotted from the world? And the, the thing that came to mind as I thought about this, recently I was, I was working with the heifers in our heifer barn. I came out of there and I was so frustrated. I was like, every time I do this, I get so dirty. Um, and I just, that thought, that picture came to mind as, as I was thinking about this, you know, keeping ourselves unspotted. What do we do to keep ourselves unspotted from the world? A few verses that came to mind was Romans 12, 2. It says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the first, first one that I want to think about is not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed to the image of Christ. Our hearts and minds are to be transformed by our faith in Jesus Christ. We need to allow Christ to change our way of thinking and to give us new thoughts. And in Philippians 4.8, we see the thoughts that Christ wants us to have. He wants us to think on things that are honest, pure, just, true, lovely, and things that have a good report. You know, our actions, the things that we live out, come from the things that we think about. You know, we as followers of Christ are called to conform our thoughts to his ways to the ways of the Son of God. And we need to first of all come to the cross of Jesus Christ and surrender our will to him. And as we do that, Christ can give us a new heart. He will help us to follow his example. He will help us to continue in the ways that he has set before us and will mold and shape us into his image. You know, if we resist those things, he's not going to force us to do that. He allows us to have that choice. But as we willingly surrender to his will, he will continue to mold us and shape us. You know, this is a lifelong progression. You know, sometimes we can get frustrated that we still 
fail, but God keeps working with us as we continue to surrender to his will. You know, don't become discouraged if you're a new believer, but allow the Holy Spirit to continue to work in your life day by day so that you can experience a fuller, deeper relationship with God. The second point with keeping ourselves unspotted from the world is Christ calls his disciples to holiness. You know, as we think about holiness, the meaning of holiness is separation, and we were reminded again at our small groups the other night of the two ways of life, the two paths. You know, as we become a follower of Christ, we will walk a different path. There's a broad way that leads to destruction, and then there's a narrow way that leads to life everlasting. So God is calling us to walk on the path of life. You know, as followers of Christ, we're going to have different goals than the unbeliever. And I think that will affect the way that we live our lives. He wants to wash us from all the spots of sin in our lives and to make us pure and holy. Now, I would like us to take note of the word here in verse 27. He uses the word keep. This is going to take action on our part to accomplish this. We need to be diligent and pay attention to our hearts so that sin does not find its way into our lives. Keeping ourselves unspotted from the world is going to be a daily battle. But God has given us the tools to be victorious in this. That is in where he talks about the armor of God. He has given us truth. He has given us righteousness. He has given us the gospel of peace. He has given us faith and salvation. And he has given us the word of God. And these tools are to help us as we walk in our daily lives to keep us pure and holy before the Lord. I liked the verse in 2 Peter 3.14. And um, I have the New Living Translation, which I think put it well. It says, And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And I think that goes well with what we've been studying in Sunday school. Peter was also talking about the end times and the end um, of this world. But while we are waiting for that, we are called to live out a peaceful and pure and holy life before the Lord. He is, Peter was telling us to, what to look for in the end days. But he is call, telling us what our responsibility is as a believer you know, we are to be diligent and pay close attention to the condition of our heart so that we're aware of the condition of our heart. And as the Holy Spirit reveals areas of our lives that are not in tune with God, we can come to Him and He can cleanse and restore our relationship with Him. And then we can live in peace as we realize we can experience the forgiveness of Christ and have Him wash away our sins. You know, as we consider this, that we as flawed humanity can stand before God because of his long-suffering love, his willingness to forgive, to give his only begotten son for us, that we should be moved to live a life of gratitude and service to him. I think many of us have, you know, witnessed, tainted the religion or had conversations with friends who have, but let's allow God to change our lives so that we can share the true picture of Jesus and communicate that to our communities. So switching gears a little bit, James also gives us a few examples of what contaminated faith looks like. So I want to look at two signs of contaminated faith, and the first one is 
um, the verses we read in chapter 2. And that's where he talks about partiality. You know, he talks in uh, the first verse, 13 verses here about partia partiality, and it's a stark contrast to what we see here in verse 27. Partiality, you know, it violates the fundamentals of the Christian faith. Jesus, when he was here on earth, he said there's two basic commands, and that's to love the Lord with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. You know, all your heart gives the picture of complete devotion to the Lord. Impartiality violates both of these commands. You know, when we are partial, we have made ourselves the focus of what we are doing. Partiality is usually about getting what we want for ourselves. Partiality also is not looking out in love for our fellow man. So true equality comes from the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We can find equality when we come to the Lord. God is not partial, and he accepts each one of us when we come to him. And that's another theme that we find throughout the New Testament. In Romans 2.11 it reads, For there is no respecters of persons with God. In Galatians 3.26-29 it says, For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female. You are all one in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. If ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You know, here in Christ Jesus, there is no partiality, and we as his followers are called to emulate that example. And notice here in verse 8 how he points us to Scripture. It says, If you fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So here he is giving us the basis of Scripture to come back to. You know, as we face situation decisions in life, we need to turn to Scripture for guidance. We need to be familiar with the Word of God so that we can have a solid foundation on which to base our lives. You know, and the last few verses here in this text also are very sobering as we think about the seriousness of partiality. You know, when we are committing partiality, we are committing sin against God. So let's allow Christ to cleanse us from the sin of partiality. The second one I want to look at is uncontrolled speech, and that is in verse 26. It says, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religious in vain. This is a person who does not have a bridled tongue and does, does not have the love of God reigning in his heart. <clears throat> As we allow Christ's love to change our hearts, it will affect the way we speak. The words that we speak as a follower of Christ will edify, they'll be encouraged, and they'll be gracious. You know, verse 26 and 27 here give us a dramatically different picture. One who is lifting up himself with his words and who is making a show of his religion, but the other person is worshiping God. You know, here we think of, it causes me to think about in Luke um, 6, 43 through 45, and I'm just going to read those verses. Jesus is talking a little bit about um, what our speech reveals about us. Luke 6, start at verse 43, and we'll read to verse 45. It says, For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. 
For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. You know, there's a connection between our hearts and our mouth. You know, if a person is always quick to point out the faults of others, to use his words to make them look foolish, you know, to make himself appear more righteous, this person might just have an empty and vain faith. The message of Christ is one of love, and using our words to put others down is not consistent with that message. And 1 Corinthians also shows us this concept. You know, we can do many great things for others and for the world, but if our heart doesn't contain the charity of Christ, it is empty and vain. You know, the contrast is in verse 27, a person seeking to worship God instead of lifting up himself, who lends a helping hand to his fellow man and seeks to live in holiness so that the name of God might be glorified. And I just want to read also from 1 Peter 3, 8 through 10. Another few verses about um, the speech of the believer. 1 Peter 3, 8-10 Finally be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, nor railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye shall inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips, that they speak no guile. So let's allow the Lord to work in our lives, you know, so that we can live out the words of this passage and speak good things to our fellow man. So just a few thoughts in closing. Um, you know, I was once again blessed by the transformation that the faith of God brings to our hearts. You know, time and time again in Scripture, we see the fruits that the faith of God produces in our lives. Now, as children of God, we live out these principles because we have experienced the love of Christ. He has given us a new heart, and He, and it's that new heart we want to live for God in a pure and unspotted way before Him. And as we experience the love of God, it gives us a heart for those who are needy and vulnerable. You know, there's no other power that exists that can do this other than faith in Jesus Christ. You know, my heart's desire this morning is that we could all experience that transformation in our hearts and allow Christ to work in us. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we come to you again this morning. We thank you for the opportunity you have given us to be your children. Thank you that we can have faith in you, that you can cleanse our hearts, that you can transform us. Thank you that you can give a Give us a caring heart, a heart that lives for you, lives holy and unspotted before you. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit would dwell within us, guide us and direct us in your ways. We just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.